0: We have the privilege of um, welcoming a new preacher today. Many of you know Ismael Dominguez, who's serving as our intern for Community Connection. And a special welcome to, I know you have some friends and family joining today, so we're glad that you're with us and I um, hope, that, hope that you feel welcome here. We are, we are very grateful to have Ismael on our team. I'm gonna pray for him, as I do often, for new preachers. Ready, Ismael? I'm
1: ready. Yeah, you're
0: ready. Please, ready. please pray with me. Lord, I thank you that uh, we don't call preachers, you do. So we bless your call on Ismael's life. And we pray, uh, we thank you, and pray that we can continue to be a part of the work that you're doing in his life, whether a a small part or a big part. Release him now by your spirit, we pray. Set him apart, set him free. Open our hearts to receive by your spirit, we pray. We're ready, Lord. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you. Good morning. morning. Before I started, I needed to do this. My roommates give me one joke a day. So I'm going to do this now at the beginning so I can get it out of the way. And then I can go ahead and preach comfortably and we can move on with our lives. So for those of you who came to hear me uh, preach from far and wide, I am sorry. My sermon is only about 10 minutes long. You mean to tell me I drove 10 minutes just to hear you? Sp- I drove far and wide to hear you speak for 10 minutes. I'm just kidding. It's okay. I'm glad you're here. Um, I just did want to give a a special shout out to my uh, Mosaic community that's here. Thank you for being here. And also to my family and friends who are watching online. Saludos. I am from the San Francisco Bay Area in California. Even though I was born in Fremont, I grew up in the heart of the Bay, a town called Hayward. Although my childhood memories consist of apricot trees, sunny days, and mild winters, it wasn't always peaches and cream. At age nine, my parents divorced after a couple of years of domestic violence. I said I wasn't gonna cry, but I gotta let it happen if it does, so I apologize. (laughs) Due to my father's mental health challenges. In addition to this, and because of those challenges, my father was incarcerated two separate times. At age 14, I would experience pain yet again when When my younger brother, my mother, my younger brother, and I moved from California to Illinois, leaving my father and really my whole life behind. There are experiences we go through that leave a bitter taste in life. But as God's children, we are to communicate our pain to God so as not to silence that of our own or that of others because God is loving, compassionate, and faithful. It is because of these traumatic experiences that I began a lifelong lesson of learning lament. And this is what the text from Lamentations three nineteen through 26 is all about. In the Old Testament, we find a small poetic book that specifically deals with the fall of the city of Jerusalem. You may remember that in Israel's history, there was a split. The northern kingdom, Israel, had already been taken captive by the Assyrians. Although the southern kingdom of Judah held out a little longer, they too rebelled against God. Eventually, God gave them over to the Babylonians. In our text for today, we catch the author in a moment of a turnaround in verse 21. He is going from naming his negative experiences of God's just response to Judah's sin, to describing God's unwavering, unchanging, and unfailing character in the midst of his pain. However, in order to understand just how profound and powerful this natural break in the text is, we need to hear what the author was saying from the beginning of Lamentations 3. I will only read certain portions of this chapter, but here it goes. It says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath, and then he goes on to say, he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. Later on, he says, even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has made my paths crooked. Can you believe that God made his paths crooked? Like a bear lying in weight, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. And he finishes this section by saying, I will remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Here, the author gave us a raw depiction of his suffering. It is important to note that as he opened this chapter, God is named as the one who caused the author's bitter affliction, Now, you may be wondering, is this biblical? The answer is yes. (laughs) Here, the author is taking the time to name his pain. Notice that the author did not curse God, nor did he disown him. Instead, the author came to God authentically, honestly sharing how he was feeling in this situation. But then again, the author's trauma was a natural consequence of blatant rebelliousness of his people against God. So was there even room for him to say how he felt? Yes, acknowledging our pain is part of lament and is such an important practice in both the life of a believer but also in the life of the church. Now, while we may vary in how we relate to and express our emotions, for those who are unaccustomed to practicing lament, lack of experience should not be a reason to silence others. Additionally, it is important to understand that even within a church community, there exist power differentials that make it harder for some of us to speak up. We have to understand for as much as we would like to believe, even church spaces are not always safe for us to share how we are feeling. But as Christians, we know that if just one member of the body is hurting, then the whole is in pain. If someone that we know, whether it be in our families, in the church, or even our neighbors and our community, if they are hurting, we are then to practice compassion towards them. We cannot and must not overlook the trauma of anyone who says they are hurting. As authors Chris Rice and Emmanuel Katongole in their book, Reconciling All Things, A Christian Vision for Justice, Peace, and Healing say, we are people of hope who practice lament. We lament because we have hope. While the second half of our text begins in verse 22, the whole of chapter three is really one continuous description of God's character. We already heard from the author about how God's response to sin was a painful experience. I now want to take a moment to share a little more about my story and why it is important to name our suffering and trauma. My family and I moved to Illinois in November of 2010. Though I was forced to leave California behind, the trauma traveled with me. Not long after arriving, I developed unhealthy and sinful ways of coping. Addictions would become a decade-long reality that spanned throughout my time in high school and into undergrad. I didn't really have anyone to help teach me how to process how I was feeling. Sadly, neither my family nor churches or other Christian communities that I had been a part of had been, taught me how to engage my pain. It seemed like no one in my life really knew how to deal with negative emotions in a healthy way. Throughout my college years, this went from bad to worse. My father was back in my life, but he caused me a lot of harm. He verbally and emotionally abused me. Worse, my mom was not emotionally nor physically available for me. I felt rejected and abandoned. But unbeknownst to me, it was during the second half of my time at Wheaton College that I began to learn how to lament. In combination with my degree program, but mainly the Holy Spirit through the Book of Psalms, I began to bring my emotions before the Lord. Eventually, I graduated from Wheaton in the spring of 2019. Without missing a beat, I enrolled at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Because at that time I was in the Master of Divinity program, I was required to undergo three counseling sessions, and I did not want to go. It was through these intake sessions that I began to realize I was hurting. After completing my first year at Trinity, I moved into the Mosaic House in North Chicago. Living in a discipleship house for single Christian men was never in my plans. (laughs) (laughs) But I was there, but there, like the author Lamentations and verses 1 through 20 in chapter 3, that I recalled my pain and hurt. Recalling my pain and hurt was a necessary step in my healing journey. At the Mosaic House, hours upon hours were spent in conversations late into the night with my roommates, my brothers, processing literally my whole life, every little detail. Through this experience, along with individual and group counseling, I uncovered layers of trauma that had compounded one after another. I never knew that I had a hard time being still, because I did not want people to see how much shame I carried. Moreover, I learned that I had trust issues, which meant I was hiding from love. But worst of all, I had learned to silence myself. However, it was also at the Mosaic House where I joined the author Lamentations in saying, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. And man, I've been depressed. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Through Lamentations, God is teaching us that he does not mess around about sin. But it also teaches us that his justice is consistent with his love, his compassion, and his faithfulness. This is why the author of Lamentations had hope. We also may not be able to tell those who hurt us how they made us feel. It may not be the wisest thing for our sake, but we can definitely share it with those who care for us, especially with God. In poetic form, we find our text this morning in the middle of the book of Lamentations. Could this be a move from the author to show us that God is in the middle of our circumstances? After all, the book of Lamentations does not end on a happy note, but here we see that despite bitter trials and tribulations, We can have hope because we count on God's love for us. Every morning is a testament of God's compassion. That's a given. God's faithfulness far extends the breadth of our pain and trauma. Redeemer, summer 2022 was not a good summer for us. As a church community, we experienced the resignation of our rector, and as a Highwood community, the painful experience of the mass shooting at the 4th of July parade in neighboring Highland Park. Odds are, there are those in this room this morning who are mourning. Again, while the resignation of our rector means something different for different members of our body, and we experience a mass shooting hitting too close to home, although unfortunately an all com- all-too-common reality for communities such as my own, God's invitation to lament is here. We lament because we trust that his character remains the same. This is what it means to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Not that we silence ourselves, one another, or even our community, but that we bring our pain and our suffering to the one who understands us. He gets it. He knows it. Will you open up your heart and trust him? Thank you. God bless you.
0: Ismail, I wonder if you're uh, brave enough, since you're, I'm not, that, that was the wrong way to say that. I wanna talk, because okay. your sermon was, was shorter than usual. I warned you. No, <laughs> there's a gift. That was not a critique, not a critique. How do we do this?
1: Mm, thank you for asking, that's actually a good question. Um, I'm only gonna speak for my experience in this process. Um, there's a couple of ways that I've learned to lament. Number one is, in Christian community, finding those people that you can share your experiences with. Um, The reality is, is we can, the parameter for our relationship with God is our relationship with one another. And so if we're able to open ourselves up to those people we can trust and share, then we are, odds are we're sharing also with God. And the opposite is true. If we're not really sharing with one another, our hearts are probably closed off to God in some way. And what is important to realize in Lamentations that the author did was that he went to God and dealt directly with God, how he was feeling based on what he felt God had put him through. But it wasn't that God did it to him. It was because of the sin of his people and his situation. But for our circumstances, what we can do is we can come to one another and share, but also authentically have that time to share with God how we're feeling. Um, I'm going to share this Uh, earlier this week when uh, or maybe last week, Amanda prayed for me and, and felt led to say, God, break me. And, I, and I, I heard that was, God, break me for you, for the community. Mm-hmm. After that prayer, the rest of my preparation time, God continue, continuously brought me to my knees, bringing me to places and moments, bringing things up in my life, hopes that I have that I had not really thought about, and prayed. And there was one night in particular where I, I found a secret place, no one knew about it. I was already feeling uh, heavy and I came to the Lord and I've never cried and prayed and prayed and cried the way I did that night. And what I realized was that that's what God was looking for. Hmm. God was not looking for me to skip through my devotional time or to just go over my day. God wanted me to stop and to name that I was hurting about something. I don't think I had enough boogers to cry that night. <laughs> But the point that I'm trying to make is just that we lament through relationship. Mm. Another way of lamenting is writing. (laughs) You can journal, you can write poems, you can write songs. You can listen to music and process your pain through a song. You can go for a walk and just cry out to God. There's so many different ways of processing our emotions. Mm. Um, It never hurts to start somewhere, um, but I would say that's how I would lament. And the last thing would also be, especially as a community, Um, there is room for you to express how you're feeling when you're hurting, because this lament wasn't just for an individual person. This lament was for a whole group of people before God. Thank
0: you, Ismael. Another question. I don't know if it's my last question. It's the last one in mind right now. Since you're our intern for Community Connection, Mm -hmm. is there, what does lament do? Does lament just turn us inward? Or is there a place, is lament part of our witness? I'm thinking about what does it mean for us to be a lamenting community? Is that just something for us? Is that something that for the world? I'm Mm -hmm. curious if you have reflections on that.
1: Sure. Uh, As I mentioned in in my sermon, I quoted a book um, that we needed to read at Trinity for my Mosaic group. Um, And it talked about uh, lamenting and hope. And really the idea behind it is not that we're a people who are perpetually lamenting, we're a people of, of perpetual hope mm-hmm. who practice lament as, as a response to a situation because of that hope. And so for a community, I think we have, for instance, the mass shooting that happened just this summer. I think we have a great opportunity as a church community to show our, the rest of our highway community as they're processing through the library, through counseling that we can come together and we can also cry out to God about our pain. We can bring our pain as a community. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm thinking specifically of the Spanish-speaking community in Highwood who is going through this counseling, Mm -hmm. who are hurting. We can create a space and say, hey, we want to come with you and we want to walk through this with you because Mm -hmm. that's compassion, because that's God's character, because that's who God is. Mm -hmm. God doesn't ignore and turn people away, but God goes with them Mm -hmm. and he understands what they're going through and showing them that he is hope. Mm
0: -hmm. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot a minute. Cool. Would you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. It can be a lament if you want. Yeah, I think
1: that's appropriate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just um, come to you, Lord. Father God, there are things that have been named this morning. But there's also things that have not been named, Lord. And either way, you see them all. And you see our hearts and you understand. And so, Father God, as your children, as your people, here in Highwood, Father God, we come to you. Lord, our hearts are broken, Father God. Our hearts are broken because of senseless shootings, Father God. Our hearts are broken because guns can run around rapidly, Father God, in our country, Father God, with no check, it seems like, sometimes, Lord. And it makes us upset, Father God, that we have to lose children, that we have to lose our kids, Father God, that our own communities, Father God, that sometimes never have to deal with this are also pray victim, Father God. No one is safe. Father God, we also hurt, Father God, that the resignation of our rector, Lord, just means so much for this community, Father God. And it hit differently for different people, Father God, but we all are still hurting together, Lord. And there are things that we don't understand, things that we don't make sense to us, but we come to you, Father We come to you because your word says that your love endures forever. Your word says that you are compassionate and your mercies are new each and every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. You are faithful to the Church of the Redeemer. You have been, you are, and always will be. And so, Father God, I pray, Lord, that we would learn to come to you, Father God, not to hide. Father God, let us not stay, Father God, alone, Father. Remind us that you have put us into a spacious place, and that is your people. Father God, let us to see one another as brothers and sisters, Lord, and to listen to one another, Father God, to consider others' needs greater above our own, to listen to each other's stories, to practice empathy and compassion, Father God, and so that we can walk together with you as your people. And so, Father God, I pray a blessing over this community, Lord. I thank you for this beautiful church, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for the ways that you have already been at work, Lord, long before I've been here, long before many of us have been here, Father God. And I pray that you would continue to give us wisdom, discernment, and insight, Lord, how to test and approve your good, pleasing, and perfect will, and to do it. Father God, I pray, Lord, that this space right here on Highwood Avenue, 107 Highwood Avenue in Highwood, Illinois, would be a place, Father God, when people turn, they truly see hope, Father God. That when they think about this church, they know I can come here and I can experience God. I can have an encounter with God. I can meet with God. So, Father God, we pray that you would fill this place more and more with your spirit and use us, Father God, because we are here, Lord, and you are not done with Church of the Redeemer, and you are on the move in Highwood. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.